Diana C. O'Rourke. From Bizarre, and Diana is a producer. A senior producer for a company called Bizarre. she works on attractions and theme parks and I imagine she'll tell us all kinds of things that she produces so hey I think we got success I hear the noise hey it's me here you go <laughs> so welcome to bop episodes I, uh, I caught the trailer of the first one Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. So, it, yeah, it is basically <laughs> born on purpose episodes. So, um, uh, I, I'm going around finding people that uh, I think have discovered uh, maybe all or part of their purpose in life and uh, are pursuing it successfully and uh, interviewing them to help idiots like me who took forever to figure out what I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So, um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you'll be seeing this film here. Uh, this is Diana C. O'Rourke. And how do you pronounce your, your maiden name? Uh, Samatamore. Samatamore? Mm -hmm. Okay. Samata. So, Diana Samatamore, who works for a company called Bizarre, and she is a senior producer. And you can explain to us what the, the mystical producer moniker really means. Um, and what I'd like to do is maybe just start out with you know, just a little bit of history about who you are and what kind of stuff you're doing and, and where I'm headed so that you can think about it as you're speaking is um, I'm really kind of looking for the epiphanies, the, the moments in your life where you went, oh man, this is what I want to do. This is the, this, you know, the, the yo-ho, yo-ho, this is the pirate's life for me kind of moments of this is the, this is what I want to do. So yeah, where are you from? Where did you get started? All that kind of good stuff. All right. Um, I have had an interesting journey getting to where I am now. Uh, I was born in the U.S. in Connecticut. Um, grew up there. Was very sure from a very young age that I was going to be an actress. And then college came around and I decided that that was maybe a little too weird and scary. Um, <laughs> I actually... I was a music major. Okay, okay, cool. And then decided to take a little more practical route and majored in speech, language, pathology, and audiology uh, with the intention of being a deaf education teacher. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I student taught in spring, fall of my senior year, and realized that that was not for me. Teaching is an amazing profession, and it is hard and it is emotionally draining and it is just it was not my thing so i decided i was gonna move to los angeles because why not okay. um and my best my best friend from high school and i were gonna move out and about a week before uh we were about to move she bailed oh so <laughs> at that point i had i had already told everybody i knew that i was moving to los angeles so gosh darn it i was moving to los angeles and that is the beauty of being young, dumb. You just kind of do stuff without really thinking about it. Yeah, well, uh, that's a, that's one of the magics of youth is is we you know we don't think about the consequences. We just kind of go and, and thank God a lot of stuff wouldn't have got done right. if we had a chance oh, to think about it. So I 
picked up and moved out to LA. I found a friend of a friend who was looking for a roommate and was very fortunate in finding people who were willing to take a chance on me. I found a woman who looked at my resume and said, sure, you can sign a lease here, you'll find a job, which I think is probably unheard of nowadays. And just started doing temp work and the intent was to get involved in television and film, mm -hmm. which I did. Found a great job as a, they, I thought they were looking for a temp and I went and chatted with them and they said, we're not looking for a temp, but we are looking for a full-time production coordinator. It's a great. Wow. Uh, and then proceeded to get laid off. Oh. <laughs> uh, a couple months later, uh -huh. uh, which was devastating. And then the owners of the company asked me to stick around just while they transitioned. Uh, they, they had downsized and they asked me to stick around while they transitioned. I was there for another three years. Oh, okay. So a little scare, yeah. just a little bit of a scare bump on the road there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it worked my way up from production coordinator um, to essentially production manager, office manager. I, I was assistant editing, um, kind of wore a lot of hats, which is been a recurring theme throughout my life um, and through my career jumps. So I did that for quite a few years. Um, September 11th happened, had a little bit of a crisis of what am I doing with my life? And so I quit with no plan. Again, not the smartest thing, um, but it worked out. Uh, I spent a couple of years working at a dot-com Again, found someone who said, yeah, I don't, I know you don't know this industry, but you've got the skill and you're smart enough, you'll figure it out, which is great. Did that for a few years and then realized that that wasn't really the right place for me either. Back into TV and film. Uh, and then worked with a woman who said, you know, you do well in theme parks. And I said, I have no idea what that means. Um, and she knew someone who was looking for a coordinator and passed my resume on uh, and I was lucky enough, again, to find someone who said, I know you don't know this industry, but you've got the right skills, and brought me in, and that was, gosh, 12 years ago? Wow, okay, see, sneaky industry, this one. The, 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 the it, theme, is. it is. I, I always <laughs> think I wish I had known, I'm so envious of people who, well, especially now because there's so many programs and schools that teach this. And if I had known that this was a thing, I would have had to get into it much, much sooner than I did. Many of the people that I talked to have the same thing of, we didn't know this was an industry. I mean, we'd gone to theme parks, we'd gone to carnivals, we right. we knew that it existed, but the the woof and warp of it, the details and the, all the, the undercarriage and the whole infrastructure that exists, in this, it's a mm -hmm. huge industry. Yeah, it's all, it's all behind the scenes. It's like going to the movies. You know, you go to the movies right. and you see the, you see the five actors. You know, but there's thousands of people behind them. And uh, in the movies, I guess we know it because the movies, they always make movies about themselves. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of movies out there that are about making movies and about stars and about because you know it's what they know I guess and it's entertaining right you know? but they don't do that yeah. about theme parks so what was your first adventure uh, the, the big big first thing that's actually funny because I started in 2008 um, so again got a job and then pretty much jumped into this industry right when everything crashed oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. okay but I was lucky enough, it got down to a small core group of people. I was over at the head of my group. 
and we were working on a project called Beyond All Boundaries, which is at the New Orleans World War II uh, Museum, which was a wonderful experience. It's a, it's a project I'm really proud to have worked on because I was new and I was learning. I was happy to do whatever. You need yeah. to search, I'll do research. You need me to do accounting, Excel stuff, I'll do that. You need me to file stuff, I'll file stuff, whatever you need. That time was tough for a lot of people in the industry, but I think for me, it was a really good time to come in because I had an opportunity to touch a lot of things that I may not have if things were flourishing. So that was very fortunate, I think. Not, I, again, I know it was tough for people, but it was, it was a good time for me to get involved. And I, again, started as a coordinator and just did did whatever I could to help whoever I could and to learn as much as I can. And I've been really lucky to work with amazing architects and amazing designers, you know, people who have worked on incredible projects throughout the world. And I've just tried to kind of soak it all in. Was there a moment, was there a, you know, a, a, the, the epiphany moment when you went, man, this is, you know, this is what I really should be doing with my life? Was there one of those? That's a good question. I think, oddly, before I even started the job, I remember sitting in the interview and um, being told, like, this is sort of our weird little group of, you know, it's everyone walks to the beat of their own drum, but everyone's all in one, like, everyone that does that is all in one place. Right, right, right. It's sort of where all weird kids went after school. And I was like, oh, these are my people. Okay, okay. Um, and sure enough, when I started meeting everybody in the office, I was like, yes, these these are my people. These are the weird kids. Okay. These are the theater kids and the band kids and the chorus kids and the artsy kids that were kind of on the fringe. Um, and we all found a place to hang out again. It's true, it's true. Because that's, you know, that, I found that too. And, and we, we all kind of come in, you know, I, I had that same, sense of throughout my life as a kid I just seemed to be interested in different stuff <laughs> you know than the rest of the gang and just kind of yeah. you know just always felt a little bit lone loner kind of thing and and uh, you know I'd get involved with stuff for a while and then I kind of go oh, this is yeah, so cool that's why I kind of had this crisis and this you know the, the, the impetus for this whole show here was is Wow, I stumbled around a lot. It sounds like you did the same. It sounds like you, you know you, you you kept kind of searching and, and, and poking around. So now it's been what you know 2008. So you, you know you're almost you, you know you've some seen. Have you seen changes in this industry once you kind of figured out what it was? Have you seen some pretty major changes? Yeah, well, I think, again, the shift of, you know, and, and with my age group, I'm in my early 40s, I feel like there's not, there's all the sort of old guard, you know, Imagineers Universal who worked on all the big projects, and there's this new group of incoming um, college graduates through all these programs, but there's a hole in the middle sort of where my age group is. And there, there are people, you know, I've got, really smart, talented, but not a huge group. Um, and it was sort of, for a while, it was when we were the younger group, it was that, well, who's going to take over? Because there's not really a lot of people here. Um, so it's been interesting to see, you know, 
all these schools churning out graduates that are, you know, not only know about our industry, but have studied it and have this base knowledge that a lot of us didn't have coming in. So I, I think that's been the biggest change. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and that's, that snuck up on me. I mean, I didn't actually even, I still thought it was a foggy frontier kind of thing. Uh, until actually you guys showed up and you brought along with you a graduate from from uh, uh, USC, I guess, um, that graduated yeah. with a, what is her degree in? Her degree's in uh, uh, attractions or something? I don't know what it, what it was called. Gosh, I don't know what it's called either, but it's, it is interesting, especially with USC, because they it seems like they also focus on the gaming oh, part right. of it. So it's not just the parks, it's all sorts of like all sorts of guest interaction and interactivity and immersive yeah. immersiveness in all venues. Yeah, and that's and that's the first time that I had seen a formal, you know, a formal presentation of someone with papers that said, "I know how to do this industry." Because to me, right. like you, it was just you know, there's a musician, there's a writer, there's an artist, there's a you know, there's a faux painter, there's a sculptor. And we cobbled ourselves together to create a theme park or to create an attraction from these other sort of industries. And it's the first time that I somebody came in the room and they had like, you know, they had been formally trained instead of gathered. And I think it's, I'll be interested to see, I was actually talking about this um, not that long ago, so I'll be interested to see how it plays out because there's something to be said for that scrappings and how things are designed. And then I feel like when you talk to, not all, but talk to a lot of graduates now, there's this discussion of sort of like the psychology behind the way a ride is designed, the way an experience is designed. And of course that was always, always there and always an underlying piece of it. But to think of it so clinically, I worry takes away the heart of it or has the potential to take away the heart of it. I know what you mean. Um, yeah, because the people so, that the, the the gang that you and I worked with when, at the time that that was happening, we were all that collection of hard knocks, you know, just experiences from other things. Because see, I came from sets and scenery, so, sort of the, mm -hmm. the. Well, I actually started with painting and drawing, and then tried to find a way to make money, you know. So that and that <laughs> and that turned into sets and scenery. That was a big vista for me of, wow, this is cool. Look at all the stuff you get to do to do this. And, right. and, and then I got this ache for something more permanent, which led me mm -hmm. to architectural theming and design, and then eventually to, to theme parks, you know, which, which is, I stumbled into it. It sounds same, same similar. Yeah. Well, and, and I will say I did have, I can't remember the exact moment, but I remember when I was working at the dot com thinking, okay, so I'm just like, I don't, I'm not a career person. I have jobs. Okay. And that's fine. Like, that's, that's just who I am. That's how it's going to be. And that's fine. And then a couple of years into this, I went, oh, I, I have a career. I have a career path. I like this. I can see this being a forever thing. And it was the first time where I was really thinking, like, I started as a coordinator, and then I was a project manager. I'm a producer because that's more creative, although it's still 
front end event producer, like it's all very tangled up. But right. it's like I, I wanted that creative piece of it as well, and so I started gearing myself towards that, and then worked my way up to senior producer. And it's the first time I've really been excited about a career and, and wanting to be on a trajectory and wanting to have to build this thing in my life and not have it to be just a job. It makes sense. And, and the thing that one of the attractive things that I found about it is that it's it really is a collection of stuff. You know, you're not mm -hmm. we, we don't get real pigeonholed. We kind of have to stay broad minded and collect things from all different kinds of genres to, to do what we do. And that that keeps it. You know, we weren't just a pipe fitter. <laughs> You know, right. you you go weld this to that, you know, and you do it here and you do it there and you do, you're doing the same thing all the time. We are, you know, we're woodworkers and pipe fitters and electricians mm -hmm. and, and, you know, then we have to sing a song and then we get, you know, it's, 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 a, it's this nice collection of stuff that, you know, like you and I didn't know really existed until we yeah. stumbled onto it. And, and what I like about our industry, and it's the same thing I actually liked about film and television, is I, I remember talking with my dad's cousin at one point, and I was it was when I was in TV and film, and I was like, I really like, you know, you have we have a shoot, we set it up, we shoot it, we edited it, and then we're done and we wrap it up, and then we go do something new, talk to somebody new, it's a new project, and she goes, yeah, you know, there there are people who are marathon runners and there are people who are sprinters. You're a sprinter, and I went, oh, I am a sprinter. Like that's exactly, I love the diversity of, of projects. You know, I'm at one point I'm learning about World War II and then I'm learning about the Monkey King and then I'm learning about Hello Kitty. And then I'm like, you know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you have sort of that mile wide inch knowledge and you get to jump from subject matter to subject matter from project to project. I like that. Yeah, that is nice. That is that for, for, uh, those are with, with with big vast interests, and I think you know it's like going to the movies. You get to you know this. You, you watch the movie, you live that life, and then you know then you go on to the next one. So you're not because you, you, that was one of the things for me is I didn't one of the reasons I didn't pick something because I didn't want to feel trapped. I didn't want to have this sense of I've got to do that every day for the rest of my life. I always wanted broader horizons and you know less limits. So, yeah. you, you mentioned the, the challenges now. Now there are people that are selecting this. <laughs> they're saying, I'm going to go do theme parks and attractions. Um, and they're, you know, and they're getting the schooling. Um, it, it, any other challenges that you kind of see in this industry right now? I mean, obviously the immediate challenge is what's happening, happening over in China. And how it, how, like, long-term is affect, going to affect things and how things are going to roll out. Um, so that, of course, is top of mind. Yeah. But I think it's really just, I, I feel like there's a lot of really smart, really seasoned, amazing people who are heading towards retirement really soon. Yeah, you're right. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that shift happens. 
Um, yeah, because you're right. Because you've got these really young kids, and then you've got these really old kids that that started with you know started this industry in the you know the 50s and 60s, and now they're reaching. You know, and I'm part of that club. You know, I'm getting to the end now, and, and it's and and there there seems to be this missing middle that you talk about. There is a core group that that is coming up is that in that middle section that can fill the gaps, but they, we can't fill all the gaps. Um, and I worry about that sort of institutional knowledge and the experience that will get lost. And again. The knowledge base is there, but the experience is missing. Right. And if that goes out of balance, it might it might be a problem. But I I think a big problem because we're we're all about emotion. You know, we're it, it's mm. not it's not it, it's not a technical thing that the reason people buy tickets. To a, to a theme park, it's not, you know, and I, I use this as an excuse all the time. I always say, you know, people don't buy it because you came in on budget or you made it, you got it finished in time. You know, <laughs> they buy it because it's a it's a high quality, visceral experience that, you know, makes them, you know, and and it's it's even more fun because they're probably doing it with friends and family, so it, it makes mm-hmm. these memories. So it's a real human, human, human thing, and if it gets if it goes off the rails and gets too technical, you know, it's going to lose some. You know, it'll be like our phones. You know, everybody will be stuck to their phone, right. just doing their thing, and while they're having a party, they're all on the phone. You know, it doesn't doesn't make sense. You know, so uh, that I, you know, I think that's a that's a good thing. So that's kind of the the future. Where where do you think we're going to head? Where do you think it's going to happen? I feel like I worry with all the AR and VR. It's interesting and it has its place, but I keep seeing project after project after project trying to figure out how our phones, how VR, how AR, how technology plays into the guest experience. And for me, the phone's there. It's not going away. It's a necessary evil, but I also don't want to do something that encourages people to be on their phone. Yeah. You know, I, I would set Disneyland and now they have options where you're like, oh, here's a game you can play while you're in the queue. And it's like, no, <laughs> let people, let, let them be forced to talk to their family. Let them be forced to talk to their friends. Let them be forced to talk to the people behind them or in front of them. The moment you insert a phone there, you kind of take away opportunity for a spontaneous interaction with other people. And I, I, I worry the same thing with VR and AR is people are going to get so caught in the technology that they won't lose the interpersonal experience with other guests and the people that they're there with. Good point. And I think uh, I, I saw a, I think it was a TED talk about, about long life, you know, and, and, and what the, the key component to living a long time is. And it's not vitamins, and it's not exercise, and it's not what you eat. It's it's interpersonal <laughs> reactions. It's yeah, and, yeah. And I'm talking to a, a picture of you on a screen here, but <laughs> so so. But it, it's closer to it. I mean, we're actually having a, a two-way conversation, and 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 that's stirring up stuff in our brains 
in our minds and we're releasing enzymes and hormones and stuff that help you live longer. And that's what this lady that did the TED Talk was talking about is that it is a function of not only just friends and family, but you know, the guy that's, that delivers your mail, the, the lady at the cashier register, the, it's that interpersonal, that's how we're set up. You know, we're, 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 we're tribes of, of folks. So if you're a good yeah. tribe member, you live longer. <laughs> so you know, I, I very like for a while I was struggling with some depression and I would force myself, I was living alone, I would force myself to get up and go to the farmer's market. And man, I would go, I would get my coffee, I'd talk to the coffee guy. You know, you just have these little random interactions and what a game changer that was to go and just be out with people and make eye contact and say, thanks for the change. I'll take my coffee now. You know, it didn't take much for the flips to switch and for it to help my mood. Wow, well that's a pearl. That's the, the one of the secrets, I think, to life yeah. is if you're feeling crappy, go out and interact. Even if you go to the mall and sit on the bench and look at people, it helps. You know, it it, yeah. it, it pulls you out of the it pulls you out of the funk, whatever the funk might be. Um, and well, it makes you feel seen. You know, people are making eye contact, and even if it's a excuse me, there's still. Yeah. An acknowledgement of your existence. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Good point. I think that's an excellent point. What does that say about the future of this industry? You, you know, in, in your mind, what do you think? Well, I think it's so funny because not that I, I, I grew up going to theme parks. I grew up going to Disney World. I've always loved theme parks. It's like me landing in this industry seems pretty obvious in retrospect yeah yeah uh, but i think it always felt when i when i first started it felt a little frivolous like you know mm. i'm i you know you get out of college and you you're gonna go change the world and i'm like i'm in theme parks as i'm talking again to these amazing designers and and creative folks who have worked in this industry and one of them said to me you know what we do is we create a place where families can experience joy and they can do it together and it's a meaningful thing to be a part of and i think that piece of what we do is what is going to ensure that doing what we've built lives on and i think you're right and i think the, the value, that joy yeah the value of that can't even be measured you know you know and it's such a it's such a fundamental thing, you know, uh, and such an enduring. And it, it may, it may shift, and who knows? That there may come a time where there is a VR AR overlay, and, and it's figured out how to make that still an interactive experience with other people and make it a social experience. Um, but I think the kernel of what we do, which is provide a platform for people to connect. Yeah, and shake them up a bit. So you're right, it's still a function of using this technology, the AR, the VR, and, and meshing it with human interaction and human experience environment and figuring out how to do that better. Yeah, and storytelling. It's all, without the story, who cares? It's just metal and silicone and whatever else. Yeah. Paint. Yeah, you're right, it's still, it's still, it still has to come back to the ideas. 
I guess that leads us what what mistakes and maybe we've already discussed it, but what mistakes do you think this industry is making right now? It seems to already be turning around, but for a while it felt like things were very focused on screens. Yep. It's like, you know, you go to a park and you sit in a chair and you watch a movie and you get on a ride and you watch a movie and you, and it hits a point where you're like, why well, I can do this in my house. If you're going to have me stare at a screen, you know, why did I take off my sweatpants? Yeah. We're already slowly drifting away from that, I hope. Yeah, I hope and, so. And, uh, yeah. Because you want a visceral experience. You want to go down a little flume and hear music and move around and see things moving around you. I think you're right. Yeah. And, and just yeah. just doing the. And, and the other thing that you mentioned, which is a key thing, is the story. If there's no story, you know, it's a bang and a boom and a wow. You know, yeah. and then it kind of goes away after that. So there, there has to be sure. something that engages you. It's it's the reason, in my mind, that Pirates is still a popular ride. You know, it's got it's got that story. It's you know, it's got that that story that keeps drawing you back. There's every, everywhere you look, every time you go on, there's a new little bit of the story that you can pick up on. And yeah, it helps. It helps with the depth of it and stuff. There. If you were a person that was kind of interested in this, because you happened to stumble on this Bopisode thing, and you went, "Oh, that's they're talking about theme park stuff," um, and, and, it, and, it, and it rang a little bell in you of, "Wow, that might be a good industry to get into." How would you? What, what would be your recommendation to that person? How would you get started? That's a tough one. Just I guess first to figure out where you fit in. You know, there's there's so many options. Are you are you a coordinator? Are you a technical person? Do you draw? Do you know? Do you work well on a computer? There's so much modeling and and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff that happens now. Take as many classes as you can, even if it's free. You know, even if it's the Lindy.com, just to get up uh-huh. on software and that kind of thing. And then network, talk to people, go to any event you can and just start talking to people because that's really, at least for me, every job I've gotten has been about timing. Not necessarily being in the right place at the right time. You have, you have to have the skill and you have to have the work ethic, but you just need to start making the connections and letting people know that you're interested in getting involved and really send your resume out however, you know, whenever you can, give your card to every person you meet and with any luck, that mm-hmm. person will have a job or know someone who has a job. It's, you know, it's not necessarily about who you know, but the networking and getting to know the people just because this industry is pretty small. It's still pretty you know, small, I always, yeah. yeah. I always joke it's five people big, but it really, it's not much bigger than that. <laughs> yeah, um, and there's, there's, I mean, I've, I've learned you know, from banging around in it for a little bit for, you know, for the last 10, 10, 15 years, you know, yeah, there's, there, there is this old guard and, and that to me would, you know, get, get those guys. That's what you find those, all those, the Disney's and the universal guys and the, and the guys that really sort of were at the incubation of this industry, um, catch them before they're gone. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, um, exactly. Learn, learn as much as you can from those guys. 
what's a producer do? Because this sounds a little bit like what, you know, maybe that would help people to understand. So what is a producer? You know, you see that at the movies. There's a, who, who produced the movie? What does that mean? What do they really yeah, do? I, I still don't know what that means for movies. I'm not clear. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I always joke it's, it's hurting feral cats. There's so many levels to it, and it depends on what company you're at, mm -hmm. on what being a producer actually means. For me, I've run the gamut. It's putting a budget together. It's putting the proposal together before you even have the project. It's finding the right team members to fill the roles once you have the project. It's tracking the budget to make sure you're not blowing anything up. And, you know, the data is tracking budget, tracking schedule. It's being able to interface with a lot of different types of people. You know, it's I can be talking to an artist one second and then talking to an architect five minutes later. How I'm talking and, and the words I'm using and that kind of thing. But how do I also make sure that the artist and the architect are talking to each other and are aware of what each other is doing. I think my job, the producer job, which is also also my kind of my lot in life, is to be a connector. Mm -hmm. I need to make sure that all the the people that are working and doing the nuts and bolts are talking to each other and are and know what the other is doing. Because you know, not I keep, keep focusing on art and architecture, but it, you know, you can draw something, but if an architect can't draw you know if, if physics don't apply then it doesn't matter what the artist is drawing right. and an architect can draw a box but they, if they don't understand the story and the intent behind it then what they're drawing isn't gonna be effective and it's talking to technology you know i i don't know much but i am surrounded by smart people who do it's not my job to understand how you know a gaming system works or how mm -hmm. show control works but it's my job to make sure that the show control people understand what it needs to do and that they're talking to the right people to get the right end result. So I'm really I am really just sort of a hub that mm -hmm. makes sure information is passing through. So yeah. main facilitating it to, to get an interpreter sort of, you know, speaking the art language to the technical guy and to the construction guy and the yeah, and the, and the people that have to actually implement it. Yeah. yeah. And then also just the, the humanity maintenance part of it too. It's easy enough to make sure that one guy is talking to the other guy. Everyone works differently and it's as much of keeping morale up with a yeah. team and making sure everyone's happy. And that means, again, and this is something I struggled with a lot when I was younger, because I was like, everyone should just be able to do their job. Why do I have to change the way I say things to different people? Uh, <laughs> But you do, because everyone hears things differently and they see things differently. And some people learn better. Some people absorb better with writing. Some people absorb better with talking. Um, and you kind of have to figure out your team members and what works best for each individual team member and sort of cater how you deliver information um, based on that. Another pearl there, another pearl of, you know, that you, you do have to approach people on whatever level they're at to, to connect with them. You know, and then yeah. and then try to make that connection with somebody else on some other level, and that's that's a that's a key component that <clears throat> an, an overall experienced person. You know, I don't think you learn that in college. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think you, you. I think that has to. I mean, you might be as an individual, you might have a talent for that, 
and an empathy towards other people. But it, it's, it's a practice skill. You know, it's not, it's an experience skill. It's not a, it's, you know, you can read a book about it, but it ain't gonna, ain't gonna help a whole lot. Yeah, there's certainly things you can learn to sort of, to be able to easily, more easily identify what type of personality you're dealing with. But it's really, you just gotta be in it and go through it to figure out your strategies. Cause it's also different for everybody. What's gonna work for me is not necessarily going to work for you and even dealing with the same person. Yeah, and we, the other thing that we face, not not as strictly or as stringently as you do in the TV world or the movie world or the show kind of world, we, we, but we have deadlines. You know, we have huge, big projects with lots and lots of moving parts and different components. So, and you're trying to tie all these things together, and, and the clock is ticking. You know, because you know the theme park needs to get open, and they spend. They spend a couple dollars on this stuff, so a lot of times there's a yeah there's a bank involved, and the bank says you have to start making payments at this time. So if you don't get it open, it's 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 a problem. So there you know yeah. there's that pressure of it taking a creative, emotional crew and getting them all to settle down and get the thing done by the by the end gate. You know? Yeah, no, it's. It's trying to convince people who never want to put their pencils down that it's pencils down. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and being able to make that call, which is, you know, I think maybe part of your role as a producer to see is the time frame happening, is the budget thing happening. You're looking at those aspects that we made fun of earlier. You know, that's not why people buy right. the tickets. But the the converse argument is, if there's no place for them to buy the ticket because you didn't build it. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it ain't gonna happen then either, you know. So, so there, you know, it's it's working that that artistic, emotional stuff against that practical, uh, physical stuff. And I think uh, a key and Disney in the past has done a great job of of having a creative lead and a project lead and have them on the same footing. So they do balance each other out and they, they go toe to toe, but at the end of the day, there's a balance. Yes, yeah, and I think, I think that is one of the, the conundrums of, of this sort of industry or this sort of, of, of activity is, and I've seen it go both ways. I've seen it where there's such a push from the production and budget and technical side that the story gets lost. All the creativity goes out of it, 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 and it's not successful either, you know, versus and or somebody just not putting their pencil down because nobody's pushing them to do it, and it, it continue, continues, because you can always make something better, you know? I mean, yeah. that's that's just like our lives. You can always be cranking away and tuning it up and making it better, um, but there's a time that you have to actually open the curtains. And, you know, right. and, and it's got to be there for the people to see and, and do that. So uh, having the wisdom to know when it's that time, when good enough is perfect. Cool. Yeah. Anything else you want to tell us? No. I mean, this is really fun. <laughs> I love what I do. Yeah. I really do. And I never thought I would say that. Oh, wow. You know, talk to me 15 years ago. I never would have thought that I would, I would have a, what I would consider a career. I'm couldn't be happier that I fell into this weird little world 
<laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. We're we're making some fun stuff. We're working together on on a project here in China. Um, and fortunately, you're not here in China right now because uh, you know we're having the, this whole virus thing. Things seem to be going、yeah. okay. You know, I mean, I went out like I mentioned before we got on the call that I was shopping.、Yeah. You know, but you know I had to wear my little mask and and I had gloves on and you know and it's it's. It, it, it's 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 working, you know. I mean, things are things are happening, and the and the store had everything, you know. It had all fresh vegetables and fruits, and you know, everything everything is normal except for the, it's not crowded, and everybody's got their masks and gloves and stuff like that. So,、um, you know, hopefully they're at this time. I think I think they kind of around in the corner, but we're still not back at work, you know. And, right. And. You know that this kind of thing is is pretty devastating to this industry, which is getting people together, and you don't want getting them getting them together when there's something going around. Right.、Know? So、uh, we'll see. This will be a very interesting year for us in our industry,、mm-hmm. and see how we can recover. And hopefully,、uh, hopefully it'll be a good thing. You know, it'll be a happy ending. It will be. Cool. We'll get there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much,、uh, Diana. Um, uh, anything else you want to say to all the fans out there? And I'll, I will wrap this up. Okay. <laughs> all right. Take care. All right. Have a、Thanks、good.、Bob. All right. Have a good night. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye.